Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. There are times and seasons when waiting seems to be forever. Occasionally it seems that sometimes prayers get answered quickly and others don't. And if we're true and we're being honest with ourselves in our humanity, we fight pressures, we fight questions, disappointments, setbacks, delays, obstacles, and other emotions. But as I said at the beginning, and I'll say it again, what we do during the waiting makes all the difference. What we do in the middle makes all the difference because time will pass, seasons will pass, and in our humanity, if we give in and give up, we can resist it, and we will miss the blessings of God that he has for us. If this year is the year of prayer, and it is our theme for this year, which it is, then we must ask ourselves a core question. How are we doing in this area? And what examples can we look at in the scriptures that will point to us and give us a glimpse of a life lived through hardships and circumstances? And what do they show us about God and show us about ourselves? If we say that life perhaps is a main stage in which things play out, in this stage of life we see the rise, the fall, the gift, the promises, the growth, the disappointments. But how we invest now will make the difference in terms of the dividends that we reap down the road. I'm going to say that again. We're going to see disappointments. We're going to see a rise and sometimes a fall. But the investment that we make now is going to make all the difference in terms of the dividends that we reap down the road. If we are a praying church, then we will be a powerful church. But if we are a prayerless church, we will be impotent against the schemes and the darkness of the enemy. That's why it's important that we understand and we know that what we do in the middle makes a difference. We can't get to the stage of birth if we don't fight, if we don't struggle in the middle. And this story plays out on the main stage of life in front of the community, in front of everyone to see. Like a Broadway show, they're main characters, and in these characters we see flaws, and we see a villain, and we see the husband, and we see someone else who is brokenhearted. Elkanah, which means God created, Hannah, which means grace, and Penel, which means pearl. Elkanah had two wives, as the story tells us in the scriptures, allude to, and the Bible accounts that Hannah could not bear children. In the ancient world, the woman's ability to have children or to provide was an expression of God's blessings in Genesis chapter 16. It is presumed that the second marriage was done to ensure a male heir. The Bible indicates that Elkanah feared the Lord in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses 3. And he went up yearly to make sacrifices unto the Lord and he brought his family with him. It was an annual time of worship and celebration before the Lord. The worshiper offered his sacrifices to the Lord and shared his peace offering along with his family. See, as head of the home, Elkanah gave a portion, as the scriptures tell us in 1 Samuel, verses 5. He gave a double portion 
to Hannah because of her infertility. Isn't it interesting that as long as they were married, or she was married to him, they made this annual pilgrimage, worshiping God despite the fact that she couldn't bear a child. I wonder how many have skipped over this part and simply looked at the story of her just saying she couldn't have kids. Yes, it is true, and that is a fact, but what the Bible points to us is that she made an annual uh, trek and a voyage to the house of the Lord. They did, they did not stop coming because nothing in their life um, was, was, was showing fruit, but they kept on in the journey of life. And today I want to examine a couple of key areas in this story involving these characters. The Bible teaches us, and the first point is that it, it tells us that she was barren. The Bible alludes to her womb being closed. And for a moment, I thought and I imagined myself, can we imagine how others viewed her every time she walked through her community? Can we imagine how others considered her that she could not bear a child? Can you imagine her situation and the ongoing conversations about her not being able to bear a child? Consider how they looked at her. For the Bible tells us, and the story illustrates in verse 5, that the Lord had closed her womb. And this points to something significant that we ought not to disregard, that the Lord's hand was over his daughter's life. It is important to understand that not everything in our lives is a cause of Satan's doing. Sometimes the Bible teaches us, as it taught us with Job, that, God had, uh, that Satan had to ask God for permission. What this points to us was the closing of her womb was not an accident or nature, it was divine. So what was God trying to do with Hannah in, in her life? The days and the months passed, yet she was still barren. We see her possibly going through her heart, her mind, and her body as she endures the never-ending state of her barrenness. And yet Hannah was brought to the end of herself. She found herself broken before the Lord. For many, they probably would have let this cause them to be wiped out by the difficulty, the trial, the testing of their faith. We see that Hannah was burdened in verse 6. The Bible tells us that her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Hannah faced her tormentor. Because of this, she faced much pain in her heart. She endured emotional trouble for several years. Hannah's pain was deep. Hannah faced misery. She faced comparison. Perhaps she faced insecurity. Hannah was a grieving woman. In verse 8, the Bible tells us when Elkanah asked us, why is your heart grieved? You see, these problems broke Hannah's heart. She wept and refused to eat. In verse 7, Hannah, in other words, was a woman of sorrowful spirit. Hannah faced provocation to take matters into her own hands. Perhaps she, if she, she would have had Instagram, how, who knows what that post would have been like. Hannah was broken inside. So she was barren, she was burdened, and she was broken. But while she was broken, the Bible tells us that she was hopeful. Because I think Hannah understood that she was clay in the potter's hand. He was forming and giving shape to her life while coming to him in prayer. After the many times of suffering at the hands of the other wife, Hannah took matters into her own hands and it, to God took it in verse 10. She was in bitterness of soul, but prayed to the Lord. She wept in anguish, but prayed to the Lord. 
While she was barren, she was prayerful. Hannah teaches us to intercede for our own selves in the midst of life's circumstances. Her cry was her prayer itself. She didn't have a book to help her, to, to guide her how to pray. All she knew was that her tears and her anguish and her pain were prayers enough for God to listen to her. Oftentimes, we do the talking to others when God wants to hear from us. We must be reassured that God will hear us as we yield and submit ourselves to him. While she was barren, she was trusting in God. While she was barren, she was leading herself before God. Isn't it interesting that she calls God the Lord of hosts, indicating the Lord's power? It is a title that implies that God has the resources of infinite power. In other words, she understood by calling him Lord of hosts that he was capable and able of doing the impossible for her. She recognized his authority, although she was barren. And although we walk through the stage of life, we too can call the Lord the Lord of hosts because he is powerful, although we haven't necessarily seen our miracle just yet. By doing so, Hannah understood that God could open her womb and give her a child. If we are ever going to see the Lord move in a great power in these days, we are going to have to come to a place of brokenness. We're going to have to realize that nothing but simply prayer, the language of heaven that can cause heavens to open, doors to uh, open, prison doors to open, and wombs to open. It is the language of heaven, and that is prayer. We must confess our own ability and seek his power through prayer. Hannah recognized her need and recognized his omnipotence. Hannah recognized her need, but also recognized his omnipotence. She said, you are the Lord of hosts. You're the only one that I need. And if I've got you, I've got everything I need. Although I don't have a child now, I know that in my hope and my trust, if I place it in you, you understand the cries of my heart, and you will respond according to your perfect will for my life. So what does it mean to be broken? It means to be yielded in body, mind, and spirit. Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, verses 5 through 18. Her prayer implies that she was a maidservant of the Lord, further indicating her humility and position before the Lord. She didn't say she was a wife. All she said was she was a maidservant, asking God to remember her. She understood her position before God. And I love that she could go to God in, in, in bitterness of, of soul and prayer and, and pour her heart out to God. Because what the Bible teaches us in verse 10, and it says, she was bitter in spirit, she prayed. This is good that we will, from time to time, experience afflictions just like Jesus in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. See, prayer is not only quick uh, communication, but it quickens and alivens our spirit before, the, before God. Hannah teaches us in verse 10 to intercede, to, read, to, to make ready our petitions before the Lord. While we may not always experience sorrow, her language proved to her and it proves to us 
that she was a gifted communicator because she understood that prayer could change all things. What happens in the middle makes all the difference. We can be in agony, we can be broken, we can be burdened, but all of those things are true. And all of those things we will experience, but if we do not come to God in prayer, nothing will change. And Hannah understood the ingredient, the formula for things changing in her present and in her future was that she understood the language of heaven. And it was a broken and contrite heart. She poured herself before the living God. And too many times we are broken and burdened and we stay away from the house of the Lord. Too many times we experience setbacks and this is the last place we want to come to and it should be the first place we run to. So Hannah teaches us that he is a God who remembers and hears our prayer. He is a God who hears our prayer. Hannah's prayer created a world that would describe the kind of life her son would live. She and God were active participants in this process. It was not a one-sided demand. She said, God, if you do this, I'm going to present him. Her prayer points to her finding her voice in this process. It is not an arrogant request made with assumptions where she simply comes that he would reverse his decision. Simply she prayed openly and freely before him. She continued praying before the Lord. Sometimes we come to the Lord and in one single prayer we expect a miracle to happen. And God is looking to see if you're faithful and you will persevere through that situation. That's why what we do in the middle makes a difference. If we want to see the hand of God, we've got to be able to and willing to go from barren to birth. We've got to go through that process to be the recipients of the miracle that God has for us on the other side. If she would have prayed once and given up, then who knows what would have happened. But the Bible teaches us, and it's specific, she continued in prayer. Let us flex this muscle that we have to change the world, to change our circumstances, to change our community. It is prayer that will change things and in our world today. This points to a heart overflowing with emotions and a heart that has found the way to talk to God. It was freely and openly. The best speaking you can do is to God. She confessed, and it was that moment when she cast her cares, her anguish, and her suffering upon the Lord and recognized his ability to do the impossible that created the grounds for the seed to die and then to grow. She cast her inability on his ability to do the impossible. She says, I don't know, and I can't figure this out, I don't have perhaps the resources in her mind, but I'm going to put it on you because I know that you're a God who can do the impossible. After all, she called him the Lord of hosts who is powerful and almighty. Hannah's humility in dealing with her foes demonstrates her highest focus and level of discipline that would guide her life through life's battles and setbacks. She didn't even give attention to her foe. 
She said, I'm going to bring this to God, and then I'm going to let God elevate me and show himself through me. If God is our defender, then he understands our case more than anyone else, and he will advocate and fight for us. And so what do we need to do? We need to keep praying. You may never see the results you want immediately or overnight, but there is a biblical principle that speaks to you and I today. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 9. When we sow the right things, we will reap the right harvest because Jesus never fails. I'm going to say that again. When we sow the right things, we will reap the right harvest because Jesus never fails. Hannah wasn't the only one in the Bible to suffer infertility. We see others like Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel. However, she came believing, accepting God's promise through unwavering faith for her. Sarah laughed at the angel's proclamation that God would give her a child. Rebecca questioned, if you are giving me a baby, then why is this happening? If all is well, why am I like this? Rachel, when she bare no children with Jacob, gave him responsibility in Genesis chapter 30, verse 3. But Hannah trusted in God with all her heart. Hannah, Hannah came to him. She went before him. Her belief in God demonstrated one aspect of her godly character. Hannah vowed praying it was an act of worship before the Lord. It was a serious matter that required contemplation and prayer. You, you see, because prayer will guide you through the very end of it and to the other side. He, Ezekiel prayed and the Lord added years to his life. Daniel prayed three times and was saved. Peter prayed in Acts 9 and God performed a miracle. Paul prayed in Acts 28 verse 8 and the father uh, and, the, and the father of the public lay sick and with a fever and was healed. While Hannah was depleted in strength, she kept on pressing forward in prayer. We must learn to trust not what we possess, but who possesses us. We must learn to trust not in what we possess, but who possesses us. God will use this, what we consider a state of barrenness, to draw us closer to him in a greater level of intimacy that will propel us to the next level of our walk with him, our relationship and growth in him. If you and I can learn something, it is to weather the storm and the ridicule that at the end of the day, a praying and seeking person will see the hand of God in a supernatural way. God will not let you be ashamed, hallelujah, and be embarrassed before others. Instead, he will elevate you to the place that he has for his sons and daughters, which are right next to him. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Let your character in prayer life do the speaking even before the fruitlessness or the barrenness of the season that you are experiencing. Winter is only for a short time. The spring is coming. We can learn that in trials we can also rejoice and find triumphs along the way. In a season of barrenness, sometimes we can't see the good that's to come out of it. We can't always see what's to come, but we can see that God is with us through it all. And that in itself is a victory, that you're not alone, that God is walking with you. 
and he's working things out for your good. I wonder, in our waiting for God to show up, if we've stopped making the trek to the temple. I wonder if our season of waiting, we've stopped seeking and looking for God. I wonder if that has propelled us backwards instead of forward, but I want to encourage you to have the spirit of Hannah, to stay in that fervent communication and connection with God that your seeking will be daily and continually. Hallelujah. Even if you find yourself in the season of winter, I can promise you that spring is coming, that blessing is on its way, and God has it for you. If you will just wait a little while longer and you will press forward, I promise you that you, will be the recipient of a blessing in your life. What motivates your actions? Let us act as if we have it already. Let us give ourselves before we receive it. Let us learn to be thankful before it happens. Although she was in carrying uh, she experienced emotions, pain, and shame. Uh, she was still praying through it all. So what does this tell us? How can we apply this today? I'm going to ask King, Pastor King to come. God is sovereign is the first point. He closed her womb. And we can see his acting on her behalf even when it didn't make sense to her or to anyone else. Her womb being closed was the catalyst for her continuously presenting herself before the Lord. Point number two, God does according to his will. You see, because heartache and pain is not the absence of God. James chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It must finish its work so that you may mature and be complete, lacking nothing. We must learn to stay faithful and confident in what God is doing. God will use this, what we consider a state of barrenness, to draw us closer and to be in a greater level of intimacy with him. So it will push us to the next level. She experienced barrenness. She experienced a burden. But she was about to experience a blessing. If we can learn to weather the storm and the ridicule, you will see the hand of God. God takes the impossible and the barren soil and brings it into reality. The Bible teaches us in verse 19, the Lord remembered her. The powerful God, creator of all things, remembered her. He is not capable of forgetting you and I. We forget. You and I, we forget. We forget appointments, things we're going to. My wife gives me a list to the supermarket three months late, three minutes late. I'm calling, I'm like, hey, what was that? I forgot. And it was just three minutes later. She's like, bro, what's going on with you? My old age. She experienced ridicule. Misery. 
verse 19, the Bible tells us the Lord remembered her. What great comfort it is for you and I to know that the God of the universe remembers us and he knows us by name and he knows our situation. He knows our rising and our falling, our going and our coming. His timing is perfect. He makes his ways known to those who seek him, Matthew 6, Seek and you shall find. God uses our problems to teach us, mature us. She faced a battle she could not win on her own, but on her knees she was able to. God wanted to draw her attention by revealing her prayer that now her will will align with the will of God. Her pain was beyond her husband's reach in verse 8. Am I not better than 10 sons? But not beyond God's reach. Your pain, your circumstances is not beyond God's reach. It's not. But what we do in the middle matters. There was nothing that her husband can say or do to change how she felt. But the Bible teaches us that God remembered Hannah. Because God's word is life-giving, it's life-changing, and it's life-imparting. It is like water for the dry soul. His words always heal her heart. In the season of barrenness, in the burden that she felt and that perhaps we feel, Hannah teaches us to stay faithful to God. She teaches us to find our strength in God. Hannah's story teaches us that God loves us despite how we feel about ourselves. But it also teaches us that the state of barrenness is only a temporary season. And we must not allow it to take permanent residence in our heart. This thing you're going to will come to pass. But what will stay constant and forever is God's word in your heart. So make the shift from questioning to thanking. Make the shift from searching to believing. Make the shift from trying to understand to accepting His perfect will for your life. What we do in the middle matters. Release yourself from despair in prayer. Release your agony in prayer. Release your burden in prayer. There you will find the altar of grace and we too will be able to see to and to say heard by God why go around sorrowful and sad if I believe then I must rejoice and be glad in him I want you to make the shift from living a life from of a place where you don't have what you want to possessing God's love for yourself 
God's mercy, his grace, his truth, and his justice. Hannah and her ability to arise past her circumstances influenced and changed the course of her family and the Israelites. And we see God's provision over her life. If we could stand to our feet. May our life not be a once in a while, but a continual searching and seeking for God. And I can imagine Hannah holding Samuel. And the Bible teaches us that his, his name means heard of God. That every time she would hold Samuel, she would be able to say heard of God. testimony that when others would ask her congratulations young baby she will be able to say heard of God that when people ask you how you get through it you will be able to say heard of God and when they ask you how did, how did it all happen be able to point back and say, heard of God. Heard of God. Barrenness is, is only a short while. You too will be the recipients of God's blessing. But what you do in the middle matters. If you give up now, you may never get to the spring. If you hold on, if you persevere, even if people are getting on your last nerve, I promise you, you're going to be on the other side. You're going to hold the blessing of God. And then the only thing and only person you will be able to point back to will be God. Because He remembers me. God is not capable of forgetting you. In every season of life which brings its own storms, if we look for it, you will find the rainbow in the sky. It's, on God, it's God's unfailing promise. In the storms of life, in the barrenness, in the burden, in the brokenness, He is there. His word endures, and so does His purpose for your life. We must go from prayers that point towards what we want to God's will. And it's how we use our prayer that will bring glory and honor to Him. Today I want to pray for those maybe in a season of waiting. You felt the pressures of life. You're in a season of waiting, maybe of giving up. Life is weighing on you. Hannah felt the burden. She felt the brokenness.
but the Bible teaches us that she came before the Lord. So I want to invite you to the altar this morning. I want to pray with you that God would renew your strength, that God would renew your hope and renew your spirit, that as you go through this season, that you wouldn't give up or give in, but you hold true and fast to the word of God, that he's with you, that he hasn't forgotten you, and that you too will be the recipient of God's blessing on the other side. What we do in the middle matters. Let us not waste time waiting while we can be praying and worshiping and thanking for the blessing that is to come. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. We love you. The altar is open this morning. Worship team. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.